Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Danny McCarthy, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Dan Chen, who is a 2022 IL360 Strategic Advisor and the co-author of The Cancer Immunity Cycle, to speak about what talks he's really looking forward to and excited about for the upcoming Immuno-Oncology 360 conference. Welcome, Dan. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. First, maybe you could just lay the landscape a little bit for our audience who might be tuning in and tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're leading and your career. Absolutely. So my name is Dan Chen. I am a medical oncologist and immunologist, and I've had the pleasure of being part of the emergence, I think, of the cancer immunotherapy field over the last decade or so. And it's funny to say decade, but really it was about 10 years ago when this field broke open. And and you can imagine before that period of time, you know, most people in the field didn't really recognize the importance of the immune response in human cancer. And so it's it's kind of interesting to be sitting here today looking back at a decade of cancer immunotherapy and what how it's reshaped the way we look at cancer and the treatment of cancer. What was some of that early work that broke open the potential for immunotherapy for you a decade ago? Yeah, I mean, obviously, even before a decade, there was a lot of work. We know therapies like IL-2 and interferon were things that we used in the clinic. And there was a lot of work on cancer vaccines well before a decade ago. But it was really a decade ago where we started to see the emergence of powerful uh, clinical data related to checkpoint inhibition. And I think that's really what's changed the most. The emergence of checkpoint inhibitors have really changed the landscape of therapeutics for patients with cancer. Amazing. And you've also been a huge part and an advisor and, and a speaker at the IO360 conference for many years. And I'm really excited to get a sense of what talks you're excited to hear and learn more about at the upcoming conference. Well, when we look at IO360 in 2022, it is an incredible lineup. I mean, what do we look just running down the list? We got Tom Gajewski, we got John Weary, we got Michael Kalos, we got Peter Marks, we got James Gully, we got Suzanne Topalian, we got Preeti Hegde, and the list just goes on and on. It looks like a fantastic meeting, and I can't wait to see it. That's even before, you know, we get to Andrew Baum's top 10, which I think is a annual hit at the meeting. When, when I look down this list, there are a few that I would uh, love to highlight here. So I'll start you off with one. Sanjeev Marathson is presenting on CTDNA-guided adjuvant immunotherapy in urothelial cancer. And, you know, there's a whole session here on adjuvant and um, neoadjuvant immunotherapy coming on. This is a really important concept, both clinically and scientifically for us. And it's something that I've been personally interested in literally for the last decade, because I think the idea of the immune response working in a patient that has less disease than we see in, um, in metastatic cancer patients, and not only less burden of disease, which we know can affect cancer immunotherapy, but also that disease, when it presents in the adjuvant or neoadjuvant setting, just hasn't had as much time to evolve, right? So that cancer is newer to the human 
organism, the human being, than in the setting of the metastatic condition where where there's just more evolution of that cancer, which can make it more difficult to treat. And so I think it's really important for us as a field to understand the adjuvant and neoadjuvant setting. And honestly, these two concepts, adjuvant versus neoadjuvant, I think there are some great arguments on both sides as to whether one or both might actually be the preferred way um, to take this forward. And Sanjeev is going to be talking about ctDNA, which is likely to be the first way that we actually have a glimpse into how these therapies are working, and particularly whether adjuvant or neoadjuvant may be a better approach. Definitely. And I think that there's a lot of interesting conversations that will be happening at the conference about neoadjuvant. Adjuvant. One, obviously, that comes to mind is Suzanne Tapali, and he'll be speaking about uh, neoadjuvants. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about that, right, I think on one end, there is the concept that neoadjuvant allows enough of a burden of disease so that the immune response can really sink its teeth in, right? Like those T cells get to, to kill a tumor mass, you get release of antigens, hopefully you get stimulation within the local draining lymph nodes. And I think that's really the concept of neoadjuvant application of immunotherapy. But don't forget, like that's a nice concept, but we just don't know yet that that is either better or similar or should be combined with the adjuvant setting where you can apply immunotherapy to minimal residual disease, where there's just less cancer cells that you need to be to kill and, and no mass to apply, you know, negative effects from the tumor microenvironment for that immune response. What's next on your list of the talks that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, so one of the ones I circled is from Maggie Janat Amsbury on clinical data for PSMA bites. And for those that aren't familiar with the specific field, bites are one type of molecule that belongs to the larger T-cell engager class. And, and these T-cell engagers, are, I think, are actually really important approaches for us to understand. They essentially are antibody or antibody-like structures that have a component that binds to a tumor antigen on one end, and on the other end binds to CD3 or T-cell receptor on a T-cell, and essentially artificially causes that T-cell to react and hopefully kill the cancer cell. Essentially, this allows T-cells that might not normally recognize the cancer cell to, to kill that cancer cell. And that's a really important concept. It's part of this whole synthetic immune approach to cancer immunotherapy. And I think it's nice because it bypasses many of the resistance or escape mechanisms that might be present for checkpoint inhibition as, as an area of therapy. Now, Synthetic immunity, including T-cell engagers and bites and CAR-Ts, have generally worked really well in diseases, hematologic diseases, primarily like lymphoma. And the data has not been as strong in solid tumors. But of course, we would all like for synthetic immunity to work in solid tumors. And so this is a nice window into, can a prostate 
targeted bite or T-cell engager work. And their early data has been encouraging. So I think we really need to see um, what, what's going on here. Now, one note is prostate cancer is an immune desert. This is a disease that the endogenous immune response doesn't seem to be quite as strong as when compared to with other diseases like melanoma or kidney cancer or lung cancer. And so we need to really understand, can these T-cell engagers work in solid tumors? Can it work in an immune desert in prostate cancer? Or is it going to work primarily in a subset of prostate cancer that doesn't have the characteristics of an immune desert. And we know there is a subset like that. So I think this clinical data is really important for us to understand this area. Definitely, and probably will elucidate a lot of information about other kind of similarly immune desert-like cancers. I noticed looking at your list that you have another section about T-cell engagers. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I also circled Holger's talk on broader approaches to T-cell engagers. And I think one of the things that caught my eye is he will focus on some of the really interesting technologic approaches that one might take in terms of T-cell engagers. So one of the challenges for T-cell engagers and synthetic immune approaches is the ability to specifically target the cancer cell without targeting any normal cells. And that's important because solid tumor antigens don't tend to be quite as specific as something like CD20 on a lymphoma cell, or at least as well tolerated as something like CD20 targeted T-cell engagers. And synthetic immune approaches are so potent in their ability to eliminate cells expressing the target that you really do have to be careful in your ability to control that reaction once you treat a patient with CAR-T or um, T-cell engagers. And so one of the areas that I think is really exciting is can we use technologic or engineered approaches to essentially better control that synthetic immune response? And one of the areas that's really interesting that I think Holgers alludes to is spatially or temporarily controlled conditionally active T-cell engagers. And that's an area that I think we should all be excited by because technology advances in this area will likely largely change our field. And just to briefly follow up on that, how do you think they'll change the field or in what direction? Well, the ability to do more than just target a cell, but really control that reaction. And when I say control it, I mean either pre-programmed or the ability to control it even after you've given that therapeutic. And, you know, I think that's something that's really interesting that can happen not only with T-cell engagers, but also with cell-based therapy. So for example, with T-cell engagers, some of the ways that people are looking at uh, controlling these effects once it, the therapeutic is in a patient's body include things like conditionally active based on the pH of the microenvironment. And we know that cancer tissue tends to be more acidic. Another way would be 
rather than pH, whether it's oxygen status or small molecule presence status. I mean, there are all sorts of different ways to affect the biology that, that you're driving. And there are ways to, again, start to engineer these therapeutics to either build in changes in the binding domains or additional binding active areas on the molecule that can provide this type of temporal and spatial and conditionally active control. It's really fascinating to hear you talk about synthetic immunity and synthetic biology and, and the, uh, the ways in which we're able to kind of tweak and control the way that these therapies are moving. I know another one on your list was about synthetic biology. Can you walk us through that and why you picked that? Yeah, I mean, this is a nice segue. So we just talked primarily about T-cell engagers, but talk about the ability to control cell therapy. That's an area that is absolutely exploding right now. And again, I, th I think one of the things that's exciting about this next talk, it's actually a panel discussion, but it does relate to a number of talks, is that intersection between technology and science and therapeutics. And so I'm referring to a panel now that is going to be moderated by Michael Kalos on synthetic biology as a way to make better cell therapies. I think there is a chance that they will talk a lot about, essentially, it's, it's almost like high tech meets biotech. And what I mean by that is people are starting to be able to think about therapeutics and um, modulation of biology in a cancer immune response, sort of the way that you can think about how you program a computer. And if you imagine that your cellular therapy in this case is like a computer or a machine or a micro machine, you can start to think, okay, so how do I program that cell so that it does exactly what I want it to do in the body when I give it, but not other things that can be problematic. And that's a really, really powerful concept. How have you seen the evolution of synthetic biology and our ability to utilize it evolve over, I was going to say the course of your career, but even over the last few years, it seems like there are leaps and bounds have been made. How have you witnessed that change? Yeah, I mean, I think the door has been kicked wide open, right? Like one of the ways I refer to this is I think the field, you know, of just a few years ago felt like science fiction. How are we going to be able to reprogram cells? The therapies we have essentially are the are incredibly simplistic in the sense that we primarily gave small molecules and large molecules that just turned off a biologic target, right? Like that is very, very simple of a concept. But I think today we recognize that that on the antibody therapeutic side, you can create novel platform therapeutics that change the way that molecule works, that it can orchestrate a number of different events. And on the cell therapy side, your world is even greater because you essentially have everything inside and outside of that cell that you, that you can try to tweak and, and line up in a way to control that cell once you give it to do what it is you want to do. So the concept, um, I think, that has been coined of logic gating is really exciting to me. 
And what we've seen in these just in the last year or two is, is really wild. It, it's the ability to essentially rewire the inside of that cell in almost any way you can imagine. And so I think this field is going to change a lot because I think there are going to be a lot of people, a lot of creative, smart, scientific people that can imagine all sorts of different ways to rewire these cells. I know we're coming to the end of the picks that you've listed for this session, but maybe you could tell me about the last one, which I think you play a very special part in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the last one I circled, I have to circle because if I don't show up, um, well, then I, I would be missing my job. The IO360 cancer immunotherapy debate for 2022. And we got Kristen Heggie and Bob Valamir debating a topic that I think is a really great one. And that is, so what is better, NK cars or T-cell-based cars? It's a provocative question. Obviously, both have interesting pros and cons that one can think of. And I, I got to tell you, this question between NK versus T-cell-based car therapies has been a question that I've received repeatedly over the years. And honestly, every time I get that question, I feel like I have the most shallow response to the question, which is, I don't really know yet, right? Like I have my own hypotheses in this area, but I don't know. They're all hypotheses. And so I can't wait to see Kristen and Bob duke it out here. Obviously, the debate format is a great one to really push the boundaries of why one thing or another thing may be a good approach in our field. And this is what's really important. There are key differences between NK cells and T cells when you start thinking about using them as a ther therapeutic modality to engineer. And I don't think as a field, we're that clear yet on what are the important principles, right? Like, is it important for the cell, the engineered cell, once you infuse it, to persist over a long period of time or not? Are we trying to really fix the toxicity issue with cytokine storms and cytokine release syndrome? Or is that something that to be managed, but that is part of what it is where we need to create to get the best efficacy? Are there fundamental differences in the function and functional state of engineered T cells versus NK cells? And is there a difference for T cells and NK cells in terms of their ability to generate a memory response or an endogenous immune response? I mean, these are critically important questions for our field, and I'm not sure we have all the right answers. I do think we should be seriously debating them. It's one of the reasons I love the format of these IO360 debates. Hmm. Are we a little bit further in our understanding of one versus the other? And do you think that plays a role in how each debater will be approaching their topic? Yeah, so obviously we have a lot more data on T-cell-based CAR therapies, and we have multiple approved therapies in that space. But NK cell therapies, the field has come along. There's a lot of clinical data now. You know, when you think about the data we have, it's, in a, it's generally in 
a very specific disease setting. And when I say that, what I mean is it's almost all the data is in hematologic malignancies. And I'm not yet convinced that we fully understand the data that we're seeing. I'm not sure we've drilled down enough on why it is we're seeing what we're seeing. And that makes it really hard to then try to really take what we're seeing clinically and scientifically and ask ourselves, how are we going to design this approach for solid tumors, right? And I think the situation in solid tumors is very different. And so I think when we debate a topic like this, I think we have to be very clear on what it is we're debating. Are we debating which therapy is a better approach in lymphoma or myeloma? Or are we debating which approach is a better approach across the board in all of human cancer and why? I want to thank you for taking the time to look through the agenda to pick your top five. I mean, we've gone over adjuvant and neoadjuvant, synthetic biology and immunity. We've gone over T-cell engagers. We've talked a little bit about CAR-T and NKs and what you're looking forward to in that. Is there any kind of final message that you would love to impart about what drove you to pick these choices or just something about what you're looking forward to at IO360 2022 writ large? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say, not only am I really looking forward to this meeting, but I'll come back to that concept that you've heard me talk about before, which is science fiction, right? I enjoyed science fiction as a kid. I think it helps expand your mind and takes away the limits that normal life puts on what's possible. And as scientists, it's really important to sometimes take those limits off because it helps you really think about what it is you're trying to achieve. And I think that we're in a really special time in the field of cancer immunotherapy and honestly, healthcare in general, because I think that we are at a point where science has advanced considerably in the last couple of decades so that we understand the principles behind what it is we're trying to do therapeutically. But at the same time, the technology has advanced and it allows you to really apply technology and science together in ways that I'm not so sure we've done so much of earlier in our careers. And so you know, I think it's a, it's a great time for IO360. I think it's a great time for our field of cancer immunotherapy and beyond. I look forward to seeing what we can produce as a scientific community and an engineering community to bring technology and science to create something that's better for our patients suffering from disease. Dr. Dan Chen is an IO360 strategic advisor for 2022 and the co-author of the Cancer Immunity Cycle. The upcoming Immuno-Oncology 360 conference will be March 16th through the 18th, 2022 at the New York Marriott Brooklyn Bridge. For more information, you can visit theconferenceform.org. Thank you all for listening. Thanks so much, Dan. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.